It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome into From the Braves booth. It is episode five of our podcast alongside Joe Simpson and our producer engineer, Jonathan Chadwick. Ben Ingram here with you. As we are recording this, it is the 4th of July. So by the time you're all hearing this, hope you had a great holiday and enjoy the time. Joe, we definitely enjoy the time today. As we're recording this, the Braves just had a walk-off win in 10 innings and a base hit by Max Freed to win the game. And uh, these guys have played, what, 43 games? or 83 games this season and that's about as wild a game as we've seen all year you know friday night before that this happened we talked about how you can come to the ballpark a million times and see something different every time and that was the night that lopez got kicked out of the game after one pitch right all that hubbub for that so today is nearly no different i mean both teams out of position players. The Braves send up Max Freed after Austin Riley's slide at home plate was overturned and he was called out. So and then Max comes up and ends it anyway. Again, uh, just things that happen you just don't ever expect to see happen and they, they keep happening. And, and such a long list of those things from this homestand alone. It was a really good homestand. Team goes 4-2 and two on this homestand. Now he got a week leading up to the All-Star break. Three games in Pittsburgh, three games in Miami. But I look back on this homestand and the things that stand out Number one, you overcame Jacob deGrom in the rubber game versus New York. You had one game where you scored 20 runs yep. against New York. You had another game where you won one to nothing, that Pablo Lopez game where he was ejected after one pitch and became the only pitcher in the history of the game to be ejected after one pitch as a starter and lose the game. Turns out that he's the second pitcher uh, to be a starter, throw one pitch and lose the game. Art Shalek did it yeah, yeah. in 1953. Orioles. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and, and then the, the comeback today, four-run ninth inning, uh, the overturned call of what we thought was going to be a wild pitch to win the game, and then Max Freed. Everybody in the building thought he was going to be taken on 3-1, and here he comes with I mean, swinging out of his shoes. Yeah, that's what I said. I said, uh, no doubt he'll be taking here. <laughs> Whack, basically. Right. Game over. Uh, so much for my strategy there um yeah there were a lot of things during the home st- during the stand that were just so positive i did not see that four run ninth coming mm-hmm. for the braves to tie it uh, yemi garcia has been so good but he was not sharp with his command uh i don't know that we said it but we've said it a million times before when a closer comes into a game in a non-safe situation, they don't seem to quite have the ten- the uh, attention to detail, the focus, mm-hmm. and the tenacity that they usually have when they're trying to earn a save. And that was apparent today with Yemi Garcia and the Braves able to take advantage of it. Just, just kept putting some hits together. Abraham Almonte with a key pinch hit double 
uh, that was huge as well. How about how about the bottom of the order? Garcia, uh, Abraham got those two RBIs on that double. Right. Then Max Fried gets an RBI on his base hit to win the game. That was three RBIs in two innings out of the ninth spot in the order. That's amazing. We, we got to see Orlando Arcia for the first time. He had yeah. a couple of big base hits. Uh-huh. And, and he was part of the bottom of the order. He was two for four with a couple of singles. Uh, you're right. The bottom of the order came through. And what they did... Through all of that, and while we're highlighting all the things that took place on the homestand and so many wild things, unpredictable things happen on the homestand, as the smoke clears, you're one game under 500. And I, I would say that this might be the most favorable week schedule-wise that you have maybe all season. I know the road games, so I don't want to take anything for granted, but it's the Pirates and it's the Marlins whom you just took two of three from. What I'm getting at is you've got a real shot to go into the All-Star break over 500 for the first time all year, and that's what we want to see going into the break. Yeah, I think you want to trampoline off that into the second half, the so-called second half, by uh, by winning this road trip and climbing over over 500 uh it is favorable with the pirates and uh and the marlins again but taking nothing for granted the braves are playing better they're getting really good starting pitching and you know charlie morton on this day that we're recording he pitched really well again into the sixth inning gave up another three-run homer in the sixth let's hope that doesn't become a habit for Mm -hmm. him uh but things are I feel different right now than I did the previous times this season where the Braves were uh, at 500 and trying to climb over. I think they're just playing better ball right now. Well, I know somebody's opinion that I want to ask. We have a special guest in our booth here today, and I think he's in there just because he's heard us trouncing TV on our podcast for the last three or four go-rounds. Uh-huh. But Chip Carey is here. I'm not real happy with you two. <laughs> <laughs> You're just jealous. I, yeah. Well, I am. <laughs> By the way, I love your 4th of July shirts. That was a very nice touch. Thanks, Braves are 1-0 with the fancy well, shirts. Well, we going to kind of have them hanging around here <laughs> in case we need them if that's what it takes <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah happy fourth to you guys you, you too, too. Thank thanks you. for thanks for sticking around with us happy to be here how much fun did you guys have with that game today uh, a lot of fun uh I, I i'm sure like you guys kind of unexpected uh the thing that reminded me the most of this game was the brooks conrad game against the reds good point that's a good um, one you know i think the braves were down seven runs in that game and he hits the home run or the grand slam off uh lance nick's glove or was it jason i forget which one one of the Knicks boys. It was the Knicks guy. <laughs> and uh, nobody expected that to happen. And, and, Joe, what you just said I think is exactly right. Uh, two weeks ago, there's no way this team wins that game. It's over, done with, and on we go to Pittsburgh. Uh, they're finding ways to win games now. They're giving themselves a chance to win games now. And uh, I, I think that's why everybody should be a little more excited about where the team is headed as we get toward the All-Star break and the trade deadline. While we're still on this game, um, I know Shane Green had a, a horrible outing. He had put together three or four in a row that were really good before today. But how about the jam that Chris Martin got out of today? Mm -hmm. Second and third, nobody out, and he didn't give up a run. That was really a good job. Huge. I I think until Shane Green pitched, I don't think the Braves' bullpen had given up an earned run in the series against the Marlins. Good good point. Um, So, again, when you talk about positives, I think we're all sort of gun-shy about the bullpen because, let's face it, they haven't been as good as we've come to be spoiled or expect the last couple of years. But you're right, Joe. uh, That's why you've got those veteran guys. If they can pitch it all like they did, even in short stretches like they did last year, this year, I think the Braves are capable of going on a run. Those arms are too good to be struggling the way that they've struggled for most of the year. Agreed. And there's so much of the season left to go, and I think any time they've gotten this close to 500, 
500, they'll have a big win and will say maybe this is the one that, that catapults them forward with the momentum that they're looking for. If this win isn't that, I don't know what is, especially with the stretch they have coming up, Chip, between now and the All-Star Well, break. yeah, they, they, they have an opportunity. Um, and, and I think we've seen, if there's one thing that we've seen with this Marlins team, they are not the pushover that they had been the last couple of years. No. Uh, that is a really good pitching staff. Uh, that is a ball club that's going to scrap and fight, and they have to. I mean, they have to steal bases. They don't have a lot of power, Adam Duvall notwithstanding. Right. Uh, but that's not going to be an easy ride down in Miami. But um, we saw that with the Dodgers series. They take two out of three and then go and kind of muddle around for two or three series. So um, I hope that that's the case. They go to Pittsburgh. They should win that series. They go to Miami, hopefully play well down there, and then get set for a really, really tough uh, battle. 18 games in 17 days against 14 clubs or 14 games uh, with teams that are in uh, playoff contention. Yeah. So this is a really, really important stretch, obviously. Yeah, that'll be Rays, Padres, Phillies, Mets, and Brewers, I think, Correct, to right. get you into August. And then the Cardinals right after that. Right. So, yeah, you, you want to take as much momentum as you can, and this is a great opportunity for this team now. And going back to what you and I were talking about, Joe, last week, how much this month – this is a fork in the road for you. This determines what you are. If you can play some good baseball, hang around, you make a deal or two at the deadline, and maybe that – uh, propels you to where you want to be. You don't, and maybe you're not making that move. I don't want to be that team. Yeah. You know, none of us want to be that team that goes into the break or goes into the trading deadline, rather, uh, not playing good baseball, falling seven or eight games behind the first place club, whoever it is, and thinking, okay, there's no point in making a deal. You want to be that team that yep. says, you know, we got a shot. All we, if we add a player or two, uh, we've got a, certainly a, a good shot at winning this division because nobody's running off and leaving it, mm-hmm. leaving anybody else. So uh, the, the Braves have positioned themselves right now with all of the water treading and all of the uh, win two, lose two, win three, lose three business that they've done. They're in a position now to change that and move ahead and put themselves in a good spot coming up to the trade deadline. I think. In my opinion, that's what makes this team so dangerous. If I'm the Phillies, the Mets, the Nationals, yes, I'm I'm doing well. I'm kind of hanging around. The Braves haven't run away and, and hidden or anything like that. But at the same time, that team over there in Atlanta is the team that has done it. I, I think that means something. I think back to... 10 years ago when the Phillies were so good or the Nationals when they were winning a few divisions in a row. Even if you had a lead in the division, you still knew that that was the team you had to beat. Sure. And I think the Braves are still viewed as that team around the division. Sure, they've hovered under 500, but that's still the team that's won the last three divisions. I think that goes a long way. Yeah, the rest of the East did not bury the Braves and they didn't bury themselves. Well, and on that point, I've said to you numerous times, uh, while the Mets are good, in, in some capacity, and they've got DeGrom, the team that I have my eye on and have had them added on is Washington. Right. Because of their veteran pitchers that they can put on a pretty good run. Even when they were in last place, I always wanted them to lose another day yeah. and another day. But uh, they're they're right around the, the top now, too. And they've done that before, Joe. Remember, they won the World Series, started 19-31. and 31. Good, good one. They yeah, have yeah. experience in coming back from that kind of deficit. Now, they've lost Kyle Schwarber. That's a big loss for them. His hamstring was a pretty bad 
injury from what I'm told. So he was so good for them out of the leadoff spot. How do they fix that? How do they replace him? Trey Turner's had some finger problems. You never know with Steven Strasburg. How is that shoulder going to come back? So I agree with you. They're a really good club if they're healthy. They're not healthy. I think the Braves have a chance to get healthier. They're going to get Enoa back at some point. That's going to be a huge lift. They're going to get Darno back at some point. And I think that Alex knows he's got to tweak some things with the bullpen. I think the Braves need another bat. And if the right opportunity presents itself, I think they still have the prospect capital to go out and get that and give those guys in the locker room a boost that I think they need because right. of uh, of all the innings the starters have had to use. Hey, let's talk about Orlando Arcia real quick. Uh, called up today. He had a two-hit game, drove in a run. I believe he scored a run too, but no matter. I, I know he drove in a run. Uh, made a terrific catch out in, in left field. Right. He's not a left fielder. But uh, one of the things that I got on the scouting report on him was that he can be kind of an igniter. You know, he can put a spark in your ball club because of the way he plays. And I thought he did just that today. Yeah, he did. And what, from what I saw today, especially defensively, I think he's my guy that I have in left field every day until I make a move if I do. We saw Abraham Almonte come off the bench as a pinch hitter, got that double down the line. I think that's a role that probably serves him a lot better than maybe getting four and five ABs every single day. Chip, we've been talking over here about um, about the guys that have done really good work to this point. Heredia, Almonte, Contreras, but especially the two outfielders. But if you go out and get a bat, if you go get somebody to play left field, if it's Arcia or someone else, how much more that strengthens your bench going forward. Uh, assuming you don't carry 13 pitchers or 14 pitchers, right? right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that was evident today. The Braves sent Kyle Muller down. Uh, whether we agree with that decision or not, he wasn't going to pitch for a couple of days, but having that extra bat paid a huge dividend sure for the did. Braves in this game. And I, I think in the National League game, you can't live a long time with a four-man bench. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to your point, exactly right. It just gives Brian a whole lot more options as far as what he can do in late games if you're up or down and, and you need to go and make a, a pinch hit appearance. But uh, I'm with you. I thought Arcia was great today. I, I was really impressed, Ben, with his defense. Uh, I, Joe, I don't know how you feel about it as a former outfielder. I thought the two plays he made out there were not only tough plays, but he made them look pretty easy, quite frankly. How, are you talking about the catch he made in the first inning, too? The, 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 over the shoulder the, at the, the track. Right the shoulder, at the wall. I mean, he looked like he played left field for 10 years I, I, on that and play. And like he knew this ballpark real well. He'd only he played eight games in, in Truist Park before today. Well, he, he made that play look real easy right up against the wall. Uh, for that sack fly, yeah, he did, and um, and I, I think it serves everybody better if he's in left field defensively. He's better than Almonte, and Almonte can be better coming off the bench as a switch hitter, right. like he did today. It, it makes a lot of sense. I feel. How many teams can you guys think of that have the potential to have three switch hitters on the bench? Uh, yeah. That's that's a great so, advantage. So, so to my point, not only do you have an extra bat, but you really have six pinch hitters because you can mix and match with it with with whoever you want, no matter who that opposing manager brings in. So, so just another advantage, and I think you're right. I think I think having Almonte spot start, get the athletic guy in the outfield, a guy that's played the left side of the diamond, albeit on the infield and in mm-hmm. RC and left, makes a lot of sense. It really does. This week I'm excited about because, like, we, we talked about the Braves schedule going into the break, uh, Pirates and Marlins. Uh, Nats have the Padres and Giants, I want to say. That's not going to be easy. Uh, the Mets have got uh, the Pirates after this series with the Yankees. Um, they also have – I was looking up, up – uh, their schedule just a second ago. They've got um, Brewers uh, after this doubleheader with the Yankees today. They've got the Brewers for three and then Pittsburgh. So some challenging schedules for some of those teams.
teams. And then for the Braves at the end of this month, you got five games in four days with New York. I mean, that, that is just that's enormous. We've been talking about that doubleheader for a while, but that'll be here in a few weeks. And it, it, this is an exciting time. Th- this month is enormous for where this team is going to be. I agree with you, and I think from a psychological standpoint, I think for those those of us who follow the team, who who want to buy in and and really say, okay, they're they're about to go off, get over five hundred. Yeah. I, I, yeah, Joe, I would think as a player. As much as the Braves have been at that glass ceiling and have not been able to shatter it, to get over the 500 mark and then maybe get one or two games over 500, as small as an incremental move that would be, I think would do worlds not just for the players but for the fan base that wants to buy in and say, hey, this team's ready to go. I agree, Chip. I agree 100%. And it, it's a psychological thing, too, where you um, they've gotten there and, and they slide back. Well, if you get four or five games over 500 and slide back, then it ain't a big deal. Right. You know, then you, you're still a game over 500, and then you take off from there. So they had, I think they'd won, uh, they were going nine and six before last night. So now they're 10, ten whatever. Se- 10 and seven. 10 and seven. So they're playing better and they're winning games, as we just talked about, some key games, games that they had lost in the in the previous month. So they're going in the right direction. They're getting excellent starting pitching. And if they'll start and continue to score runs, and not all of them in the ninth and 10th inning. <laughs> right. Then, <laughs> Poor then, Brian Snitker. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see right. the shot of him after the game? He looked like he was, he had the vapors. <laughs> he was just looking, looking at Walt Weiss like, oh my God, we won that game. How do we do it? Uh, but yeah, it makes it makes for a lot of excitement, but I think we'd all like to see him get four or five runs and, and win five to two. Right. 20 to two was fun the other night. That yeah. was. Can we yeah. score the Right. <laughs> that was really Those good. Great. That was good. Well, looking forward to it. I know we'll get to our Q&A section here in a moment. Before we do, I want to remind all the listeners out there, we will not be with you next week. That'll be the All-Star break. So we'll be hanging out watching the All-Star game. We'll get to see, by the way, Ozzy announced the All-Star team today. So that's good news. That's great. He'll join Freddie and, and Ronald out there in Denver for the All-Star game. So that'll be fun to see. And we'll be with you the following week. And uh, looking forward to that. Chip, it's good to hang out with you, man. Guys, thank you. You guys gonna, do a great job on the should, podcast. You should do this more often. Well, you know, I have hair made for radio. That's all I can say, <laughs> you guys. So if I don't see you, have a great all-star break. And let's get a few more wins before uh, we head head to our, uh, our families and friends for a, a four-day break. Like That's it. my old partner. So long, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. You got it. Chip Carey joining us here on the show. Appreciate it, Chip. We have lots of questions we can get into today. By the way, you can email us, bravedbooth at gmail.com. We are happy to take your questions about anything from the team to whatever else you want to get into. And we have lots of really good questions today. Again, that email address, bravesbooth at gmail.com. We'll get JC down here as well uh, to answer some questions. Are are you on uh, Colbert duty? I think he is. Yeah. Make that two, JC. Bubble bath boy. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we got a question about that. I think we ought to start off with that one. Okay. Um, This is from Connor. Connor says, the other night I heard Joe refer to someone as bubble bath boy. Can you elaborate, please? Uh, Connor, eh, kind of a running joke sometimes. Uh, Because the games have been running so long in terms of... uh, hours time of game you know 320 315 whatever uh one night jonathan chadwick said i need to be home by 9 35 so i said what for your bubble bath (laughs) 
so I was teasing him, and I said when we came back from a break or uh, whatever, an ID or something, I said uh, Joe, Ben, and Bubble Bath Boy. <laughs> so that's a refer- reference to Jonathan Chadwick. How was that Bubble Bath? Tremendous. <laughs> <laughs> this time of the year, they're very, very welcome, you know. Nice stress reliever for the Bubble Bath Boy. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Um, let's see. Man, we got some good ones on here. Let's go with, um, I, w- I like this from Lori. I want a bobblehead. I want one of these too, Lori. I want a bobblehead of Joe Simpson holding a mic in one hand and a double stuff Oreo in the other. How do we make that happen? <laughs> Braves, are you listening? <laughs> we got the double stuff, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, that would be, that'd be going for about $200 on eBay the second the gate's open. <laughs> what do you got, JC? Tina would like to know, who do you guys like to watch play every night? Well, I'll start the list with Freddie. I, mean, I just think Freddie's a, a, he's an all-timer in my book. Uh, just watching him hit, watching his career, and I've been watching him since Double A. I was in Double A Mississippi when he was called up. That was back in 09. So I got to see him in the minor leagues, and then he's made his debut in 10 my first year here with atlanta was in 11 so i've been able to watch him pretty much his entire career i'd start right there with him because so many times uh, he just does things that you're not used to seeing and while he'll, he'll have the big home run the big dramatic moment it could be something as simple as getting down 0-2-1-2 fighting off some really tough pitches getting a count back in his favor and going the opposite way with a single stuff like that to me is just so fascinating and and so much fun to watch uh, to see somebody that good with the bat and I think if I'm starting any list for guys that I enjoy watching it's a long list but I got number five at the top uh that's hard to top yeah um but I'll add Ozzy on there the guys that I appreciate Tina are the guys that I see every day with uh, a dedicated work ethic the guys who come to the park early they work on their game and try to improve themselves no matter what their success level is now you think about Ozzy Albies and uh here he is going to the all-star game he's leading the National League in, in uh, RBIs as we record this. But he's out every day working early with Ron Washington, trying to improve his defense and making sure that he's ready, as ready as he possibly can be for every single game. And I think that shows in the way Ozzie plays. So I enjoy watching him. It's hard to argue Freddie or Ozzy, but I'm going to piggyback off Joe and say Ozzy. You hear Brian Snicker say so many times on the Brian Snicker report before the game or even after the game in his post-game presser, if you're playing the game like Ozzy Albies, you're playing the game the right way. He hustles, he works hard, and he's just consistent across the board every single day. Good answers. Really good answers. How about you, Joe? Uh, let's see. From Stacy. When are y'all going to start traveling with the team again? It seems ridiculous at this point. You're having to call games from Atlanta when the team is on the road. Thank you, Stacy. Uh, we understand the difficulties, thanks to COVID, of uh, trying to travel with the team and do the games on the road. We understand it 100%. Uh, things have, you know, been lessened. The the, the uh, protocols have been lightened up a little bit. We're perhaps we can start traveling there has been discussion about it uh one of the 
thoughts was after the All-Star break, we're keeping our fingers crossed for that. Uh, if it happens, if it doesn't, we will continue to do the games as we have for the last year plus and try to do the best job we can from the booth here at Truist Park. Yeah, we want to travel very soon. And I can tell you this much, as, as far as calling games go, I mean, we understand we'll do what we have to do to make sure everybody's safe and follow the protocols. But as it stands now, I feel like we're at a, at a point now where we're seeing other teams traveling with their teams so we want to do the same thing and it makes such a difference in our craft being there as opposed to watching a game off a monitor so i I hope that comes this month i'm very hopeful i have not been told anything but i I think we all remain very hopeful and positive and uh, really wishing that that's right around the corner and uh, we'll be ready for it whenever it does i know jc will we're pack up that gear and hit the road yeah uh going staying whatever i'm ready for it Next question. Um, actually, it was your turn, Ben, but I'm going to jump right, ahead of you. Away. This is from Brian, who wants to know, what do you think is Brian Snitker's best quality? That's not coming from Brian Snitker. <laughs> I don't think. I thought it was Snit for sure. <laughs> yeah. His best quality. He makes me laugh on the Brian Snitker report. Oh, yeah. Now, these are things we have to edit out and we can't air, but <laughs> we have a lot of fun with that. Um. And it was the, my favorite thing about Snit is is he's a baseball lifer. Uh, you, I could bring up just about anybody w- within the organization for the last 40, 45 years. He's got a story about him. He's got something he wants to say about him. Um, he's been around so many players. He's played with guys, coached with guys, managed guys. And just to be around ba- baseball lifers, I, I love being around those guys. Uh, I, I feel like I draw so much information and so much wisdom from guys like that. And Snit's definitely one of those guys. I would say for me, I just think it's his consistency. He reminds me a lot of Bobby Cox. He never gets too high, he never gets too low. He's pretty much the same every day during the good times, during the bad. The players love playing for him. Uh, they would run through a brick wall for him. And uh, I think he does a phenomenal job, and I hope he's here for a long time to come. Me too, and and I'll uh, I'll say patience. You know, these days um, with the modern ball player, even if you're a baseball lifer, he you certainly have to have patience, and you have to understand the changes that have taken place in the game. And uh, I appreciate that about him and how he's been able to adapt. This next question might be my favorite question that we have been asked in the now five episodes of this show. This is from Seth. And he says, if you could go back to any moment in baseball history and have the call, which moment would you choose? And I don't – Seth, that is such a great question. I mean, thinking about great moments, there's so many great moments that have happened where you'd just say, I would have loved to have seen that. I would have yeah. loved to have been there. But to have the call of that, that takes it another step. And I'd have to think about it for a while. I, I know it would probably be – it might have. I, I've, I mentioned this before. The, the, a World Series that I'm fascinated with is the 1960 World Series. It was a seven-game series. The Yankees outscore the Pirates by a million runs, but the Pirates won the series. There was a walk-off home run to win the World Series. Bill Mazeroski and so many things along that series that were fascinating to me. That's one that comes to my mind. Uh, any of the perfect games that have taken place, maybe a Sandy Koufax perfect game. I, I would love to go even further back. Even if it wasn't to make a dramatic call or uh, highlight a great moment, but just to see Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Jimmy Fox, uh, Honus Wagner, and others to see what that play, what that game was like, because I've never seen that, and obviously none of us have, and and to have 
be able to compare what it was like then versus now. So it would have been something that was before I was born. I know that much because there's so many things that happened in this game that I would have loved to have been a part of. Jackie Robinson hitting the field for the first time would have been an incredible moment to see. A game at Ebbets Field. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a place that doesn't exist anymore, a game at Comiskey Park, a place that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, those are, uh, I know that's not just, I know that's way more than one answer, but those are the things that immediately flood my mind. Uh, the one that came, uh, well, there were two things that came to mind for me first. One was Sid's slide at home. Yeah. I was in the booth and I was listening to, to Skip call it. Uh, another was Marquise catching the ball for the World Series title. I was in the booth, yeah, and I was listening to Skip's call, so I was very fortunate there. But the one that really sticks out to me, given the uh, rivalry and the state of baseball in New York, when there were three teams in New York City, and when they had a playoff game between the Giants and the Dodgers at the Polo Grounds, and the call of Russ Hodges on the shot heard round the world hit by Bobby Thompson in Uh 1951. That, to me, given all of that uh, thing with New York baseball, I'll bet that was just amazing, that call with his walk-off homer. I'll give you a story about that call, and Jonathan was there for this. We got to tour uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame a few years back, Jonathan, myself, and another buddy of ours, and we got the White Glove Tour. Don called ahead. That's nice Sutton of Don. Said it. Yeah. We got to see the archive. We're seeing stuff that you just would never imagine. And they had Russ Hodges' scorecard from that game. Wow. And when the game ended, he just left it. And, and some custodian grabbed it and saved it. But the funny thing was about that scorecard, this is, you know, the Giants won the pennant, the Giants won the pennant. He never finished scoring the home run. Is that right? The batter before was scored, but it was a blank square for Bobby Thompson. And I, I just thought that was so cool because he was so caught up in the moment. His color guy was Ernie Harwell, who went to Detroit, I think, the next year. Hmm other side of the booth would have been red barber and vin scully yeah and i'm just man what a moment to have been in in new york in that time with all those baseball teams and yeah that, that's a great one because i think there are a lot of people that would probably rank that as one of the greatest moments ever kirk gibson home run comes to mind i mean there's just a, a million moments but that's a really good question Got a question, Jonathan? Yeah, Ashley wants to know, what are you guys' thoughts on Pablo Lopez being ejected after one pitch on Friday night? And I will say, Ashley, that after it keeps happening time and time again, I don't feel like that team, no matter the pitcher and the history between the pitcher and the batter, gets the benefit of the doubt from me. So uh, I agree with what happened Friday night. Uh, So do I. Uh, We also learned, Ashley, the next day that any time there is a game where a pitcher hits a batter that causes, you know, some kind of rhubarb where they think perhaps that the hitter was the batter that was hit gets angry thinking it was on purpose. The umpires are then asked by Major League Baseball to gather for a conference to discuss, do you think it was on purpose? Do you think uh, it was accidental? And that's what they did. <laughs> so they were in the in the right to gather, talk, discuss it, and then decided to eject him. This was not some kind of uh, secondary move based on what Brian Snicker wanted. It was something that had already been decided by Major League Baseball before the beginning of the season, but not passed along to the broadcasters where we could have explained it to you. Mm -hmm. 
and, and all that said, it still brought along a pretty good amount of shock value when they did toss him. I was like, wow, yes. couldn't yeah. believe they did that. Never, I'd never seen it. And Won't we were just anybody else. No, and we yeah. were just kind of laughing, thinking, what if that's the only run? Not thinking that that would actually happen. And sure enough, that actually happened. And it it was wild to see, but the the outcome of it all is what will stick with me. The fact that he threw one pitch was ejected and got the loss in the game. Because that's yeah. just hilarious to me. All right, this is a good one. This is from George, and I can't wait to hear this. Can Joe talk about the pine tar incident and his role in helping hold George Brett back? And, and is this from George Brett too? I mean, this is uh, a good, maybe this is a question from George about George. Uh, that was um, that was quite a day. And George hit that ball about nine miles off Goose Gossage, so he was pretty proud of it. And as soon as they came out of the Yankee dugout, Billy Martin, led by Billy Martin, I and so did several other guys in the Royals dugout knew that that's what they were going to be challenging was, right. the, was the pine tar up over the brand of the bat. Now, George was sitting in the dugout, and he said, if they, if they call me out, I'm going nuts on them. They didn't, that's not exactly, that's not a quote. That's... I'd have to clean it up a little. Well, sure enough, he never expected that to happen, and it did. And as I said in an interview on the network the next week, I said he came running out of the dugout looking like Charles Manson. (laughs) So what happened after that was one of the umpires, Joe Brinkman, uh, had grabbed George really in a way to keep him from doing something that would probably cause a suspension or something ugly uh, going after uh, Tim McClellan, the home plate umpire, who called him out. So Joe Brinkman had him around the neck, and I'm next to, I'm standing next to him, and I said, Joe, let him go. Let him go. Over and over. Let him go. And, he, and then Joe's eyes are big as saucers, and he says, you got him? You got him? I said, yeah, I got him. I got him. Let him go. Right. And when he did let him go, there was also uh, Jose Martinez, one of our coaches, and Leon Roberts, great big dude uh, who was standing there that, that helped me. But it was not until I told Brinkman to let him go that he was going to let him go for fear of what George might do. <laughs> so that was the gist of it. It, it was There were a lot of other side stories, but that one will suffice today. I, I can't. And the thing when I watch that replay is I, I, I can never get over how fast he bolted out of that dugout. I mean, it just on fire yeah well you hit a home run in the ninth inning you kind of feel like you know you can celebrate a little bit and he didn't <laughs> yeah. get to yeah man i love that one i have a question for joe this is from matthew in arkansas i have a question for joe how were you first introduced to the braves i wasn't old enough to see joe during his playing career and i've always associated him with the braves how did that connection come about thanks again for taking us inside the booth and as a fan who lives outside of georgia i appreciate every chance to learn a little bit more about my favorite team I played against the Braves uh, when I was with the Dodgers and, you know, going up and down with L.A. early in my career. Uh, I was in right field one night at Atlanta Fulton County Stadium playing behind Don Sutton. And he gave up a home run that was hit over my head in right field by Roland Office, one of the hardest hit balls I can remember, just a scorcher. I didn't even have time to get to the fence because it was low and just a line drive. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I played against the Braves. Played against them a lot because the Braves and the Dodgers were in the same division. So that, along with the Superstation, before I ever came here, and hearing uh, Ernie and Skip and Pete work... um, you certainly knew a lot about the Braves nationwide because of the Superstation. Um, my exposure to them, 
after I got out of baseball and got a job with Seattle and was doing TV for them for five years, I had a friend at TBS. And uh, I kept bugging him, you know, if you ever have any openings along the way, you know, let me know. I'd like to apply to come here. And uh, sure enough, that happened when the radio rights holders changed hands in 1992, uh, at the beginning of the 92 season. And I was fortunate enough to get interviewed and chosen to help become the fourth guy. That's how it all happened. Bet you could have never guessed that it would have been 35 years. Never. No, but you know what? I I said um, at the time, I got interviewed by the guy, Rudy Martsky, who wrote uh, and covered TV, radio, let's say, for USA Today. He asked me about it, and I said, as far as I'm concerned, they've hired me for life. Yeah. And uh, I had no intentions of ever going anywhere else once I got here, and I've been happy here ever since. Great answer. JC? Joe mentioned Don a second ago and playing behind him in right field. Mark wants to know what you guys miss the most about Don. Oh, man. The very most. That's a long list of things uh, that I miss about Don. Um, I miss his laugh, I think, more than anything. Miss his, his smile. You know, we would – he'd keep up with you during the off season and send you a few texts. Here's, you know – uh, happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas text, that kind of thing. And Don would always call me sometime late January. It's always during football playoffs. And, you know, ask if I'm ready to go because spring training was a couple of weeks away. Head down to spring training, and he'd be quick to tell you what his schedule was. Here's how. Here's the games I'm doing. Don would have dinner reservations for three years in advance right. in New York. And we got an off day in 20-whatever. Right. We got dinner reservations. Um, but he'd come down to spring training. And when he'd get down there, we'd go eat sushi every year at this one place. And he'd always pick up the tab. He wouldn't, he'd wouldn't. never let us pay. And it was just like we picked up right where he left off. And just the day-in, day-out camaraderie, uh, his positive attitude, how much fun we had. Always wanted to have a good time. But I think above all those things, and it, I've said this before, I always feel like Don was like my broadcasting like major league father almost the way he uh, made sure that i was taken care of Uh, i miss all those things but i think above all those things i miss his laugh and seeing him smile because he did a lot of that and and i miss seeing that every day i think i'd say i'd I'd miss the most uh his knowledge uh his wit don liked to have a good time um i would Don, a debt of gratitude for sitting in the seat that I do. Don was a big proponent of mine. Uh, Don worked hard. Don liked to have fun. Uh, ben pointed out going out to dinner. It didn't matter where we were going. Don was like the, the radio concierge in a way where if we were going out to a nice dinner, we were going to go in a limo. We were going to have fun. Um, I miss the phone calls around Thanksgiving and Christmas. They probably only lasted about 60 seconds, but he would always ask about everyone and say how's your mama and them um (laughs) and so um i miss that and um you know it was uh it was a bad loss for all of us in january uh and we definitely miss him yeah taken too soon and uh to echo what you guys said um don was a big leaguer don did things in a big league way he didn't half step everything just as you said might be a limo jay chad but you know you're going to eat well 
and you know you're going to drink some good wine wherever you went so uh those are the things that i miss knowing that uh anytime you went out with don uh, you knew you were going to have a good time and you were going to eat well. Because most of the time I was over on radio, I mean, over on TV when he was over here with you guys on radio, but that didn't keep us all from yeah. uh, going out together. It was always the best when maybe we had an off day or a day game and Don would send you a note and say, meet me in the lobby at 530. And you had no idea what you were getting into, but you know it was going to be good. Yeah. yeah. He right. pulled up in that limo in New York that one year and I mean, it looked like a disco on the inside. There's all these <laughs> lights flashing. There's Don and his arms spread open like, get in here. I'll never forget that. We were on the way to New York to Patsy's, to the Italian restaurant. Um, and we're driving through or, or around Times Square. The hotel the Braves were staying at the, in, in at the time was a couple blocks from Times Square. And we're driving through and we're on the way uh, to the restaurant. It might have been the first time I ever went to dinner with Don. And it was years ago. And I remember the sunroof being open. And I'm looking at the tall buildings. And Don looked at me and he said you know you're here because you deserve to be and i've never forgot that that's awesome i got one fire away uh and and in keeping with don do you wear socks with loafers that's from chris (laughs) um i think don didn't don would wear some little low-cut golf socks like i wear right with his loafers uh i wear socks but i don't wear loafers so what the hey (laughs) (laughs) i would say it depends on the loafers and it depends on the occasion let like me, if yeah. it was anything too formal, obviously you're wearing socks. No, if if you're if you're wearing loafers with slacks and you don't want to wear socks, that's cool. I don't care. These guys that wear the golf shorts with their golf shirt and a pair of penny loafers and no socks. Come on, guys. I don't have a problem with that. I got to be honest. Oh man, come on. Yeah, that ain't me. No, that ain't my look. No, it's, <laughs> that's tired. Yeah, you know. Wear some tinnies or something, you know, or some flip flops or something. There with you, nice pair of two bit loafers and a a golf shirt and some golf shorts. Oh, makes one. I'm in. Yeah, and some knee socks. (laughs) Why don't you just wear some knee socks with them? God, no, thank you. Yeah, I'm right there. I've got one pair of loafers. I think I've worn them once. Yeah, just not my thing. I think we got time for maybe one or two more. About this ice cream, favorite ice cream color, ice cream color, ice cream flavor. Uh. Cookie dough. That's a good one. I think this is going to surprise no one. You don't like ice cream? Vanilla. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not surprised at all. Vanilla ice cream. I mean, vanilla ice cream is fine. I had a buddy. What's your favorite, Ben? I think mint chocolate chip. Yeah, that me too. I'm right in there a second after cookie dough. Yeah. I had a buddy. I had a teammate in college. <clears throat> two teammates they were best buddies they'd go out they'd double date they'd go to a movie and then after the movie they'd go right to uh 56 flavors yeah and this one guy every time he went he got rocky road every time and his buddy my other friend says you know terry we come in here the last 10 weeks in a row and you've gotten rocky road every time they got 56 flavors (laughs) you know why not pick something else he said I like Rocky Road. <laughs> Why would I get something that I don't like as much as Rocky Road? Yeah. And it made perfect sense to me. Right? <laughs> it, it makes plenty of sense. makes me think of this one uh, promotional night they used to have. I, my first job in professional baseball was with an independent ball club. And when it came to promotional night, I mean, they came out with some outrageous ideas. But every Sunday home game, they had this thing called 50-foot chocolate Sunday. Ooh. And what they would do was 
the game would end and they came out with these stakes they drove into the ground down the third baseline and then they had this pvc pipe that was cut in half that was filled with chocolate ice cream they'd place the tray onto the onto the stakes and then just run somebody would run down the thing with chocolate syrup and put a big stripe or two on there good grief and they'd sell spoons oh my so when the game ended folks would come out of the stands you'd buy a spoon for a dollar and you're just eating out of a trough <laughs> you, get, yeah. you look like a herd of cattle at an ice cream trough, ice cream trough. <laughs> eating next to strangers they don't oh. even know oh. and they'd line up every sunday down the third baseline and do that that was definitely a pre-covid world yeah it yes, was, it was. Yeah, it was. That's an independent baseball promotional night, if I've ever heard one. Well, folks, I think we're out of time for this week. And as always, we appreciate you hanging out with us on From the Braves booth. Great questions, by the way. Really good questions. And we appreciate it, as always. Make sure you like and subscribe to our podcast, um, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. There we are. You can't miss us. And we'll be back with you in two weeks. Again, we're not with you next week for the All Star break. So everybody enjoy the break. Enjoy the All Star game. We'll be pulling for Ozzy and Ronald and Freddie as they represent the Braves with the National League All Stars. You guys have a good break as well. For Jonathan, for Joe, I'm Ben, and you have been inside the Braves booth.